God for that. Uh, some other things that are happening every single day of his life, Keith Red touches the heart of God through Pat Robertson Ministries, taking food, clothing, uh, items to people that can't afford it, distressed, and we thank God for that. Uh, tonight, Christine will be joining uh, the Voice of Evangelism, the Voice of Evangelism ministry team. They're going to Knoxville to dance, and uh, we talk about dance. This past week, Pastor Rhonda showed me on, I believe it's where, so you think you can dance, Rakim, the director of Remnant, actually made it to the top 60, and they show a little a little ditty. Sometimes I hate black people. I don't hate them. I just hate that they can do what I can't do. When I get to heaven, Josh, I'm going to dance, and all the white folks are going to sit around and watch me. I just got to have a feeling that's going to always a joy to have Josh home all the way from Wisconsin, North Dakota, all of that. Uh, also, uh, a young man that uh, attended Lee University uh, should have should have been the American Idol. He should have been the American Idol. When the little Jack's girl got, got bumped, it seemed like the judges, you know, I, I like watching the judges. I, to me, that's, a, that's what some of the best part of American Idol. But I felt like the judges kind of turned their back against Clark and turned their towards, begin to promote the other guy, the Nick guy. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, glad the Nick, I'm glad the Nick guy won. I don't, I don't resent that he won. Uh, I wouldn't have voted for him. I voted for Clark like 40 times every time the opportunity came. My phone, my phone three times told me, you voted too much. It actually told me that I voted too much. But a young man filled the spirit, graduated from Lee University, number two, and we just believe that he's going to touch the nation and, and, and the world. God's doing some things right now in the kingdom. God's doing some things in, in, our, in our prophecy. As you look around, obviously we're in the last of the last days, and there are some there are some tragic things happening right now in government and in, uh, in the, just, just where we are. But aren't you glad that he said, I'm coming back for a church without spot, without blemish, a church that's watching. It is my job today or my ministry or my calling today is to edify you and equip you and send you out with the purpose, a mission, and a destiny. And I know that every one of us have a testimony. We'll be talking about that a little later. But I want to take a moment. I want to begin reading in, in verse 13, as we prefaced last week, the disciples had just seen a horrible uh, murder, saw Christ murdered on a cross, all the hurt, all the pain that went with the whipping post, the crown of thorns, all the, all the things attached to that, and uh, they were in a state of confusion. There was a rumor that someone had been to the tomb and had seen angels. There was a rumor that Mary had seen the Lord. None of it was documented. It was all a rumor. Everybody's talking. Everybody's pondering what's going on. And the Lord told them earlier to stay in Jerusalem until he revisited them. But there were two guys that did not obey or honor the word of the Lord, and, and the Lord does not rebuke them. They just could not stay where they were. So if you'll notice with me in verse 13. And behold, two of them went, went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which from Jerusalem was about seven miles. And they talked together of all those things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, what a 
Dumb name, Cleopas. Anyway, answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not now known that which are come to pass? Say that fast three times. Cleopas, Cleopas, Cleopas. He's probably in heaven right now saying, I'll get, I'll, get, I'll get you, Hank Davis, when you come to heaven. I'll get you for making fun of my name. And he said to them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which is a prophet, mighty in deed and word, and before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher, and they went, found not his body. They came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as the women had said, but they saw not. But him they saw not. Then he said to them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and beginning of Moses? And I was thinking about that triple, uh, that triple crown yesterday. When he was born in a manger, died at a cross, and rose at a grave, he became the triple crown. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And beginning of Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all in the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village where they, where they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went into tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he said it meet with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Wow. This is either a true story or it isn't. This either really did happen or it didn't. There are things with the word of God you can't compromise. You either, and I can go all six, six books if you guys stay quiet on me. He went through all the way through the Psalms, from, from Genesis to the Psalms. He, he reminded them prophetically of what the Word of God had to say. They got to where they were going to stay. They convinced him to come in. He took bread, and he gave the bread. If you read this, if you continue to read on through this, this passage, they immediately, and this is, a, I believe, that uh, Judy Jacobs takes this as her turnaround scripture, turnaround thought, but they said that, that when they... When he left, they, they, they were excited, and then the Bible says they turned around and went right back to Jerusalem and told the disciples what they had seen, what they had heard, and they made reference to the breaking of bread. I'm not exactly sure. We don't have a, we don't have a whole lot of, of, of history on the breaking of bread, but we know that they would gather together. He would take a, a loaf of bread, and there was something about the way he took it and blessed it, and broke it, and gave it. There was something about that habit, that ritual, that that moment, that they immediately, when he broke the when he blessed the bread and broke the bread and gave the bread, they realized it was him. It was a it was a revelation. And and again, we have at, at different times in this church, we've taken the bread and we've broken it. We realized that every time the bread, it reminded him of Calvary, reminded him of the price that he was going to have to pay. Reminded him of everything that he that he went through, but I want to I want to reiterate this morning just for a few minutes on that those four phases, Robbie, taken, broken, and given. 
taken, blessed, broken, and given. I think of that, I think of that word taken as it relates to you and I. A couple of things I've been, been praying about this week, and as I'm sharing my testimony a week from Wednesday night, I want to be prepared. There, uh, I'm going to invite my banker. I'm going to invite my lawyer. I'm going to invite several that love me, but they've never heard the story. And while I was contemplating all of that, I realized that everyone has a testimony. Everyone has a story that they can share to help somebody, to bless somebody, or to encourage somebody. And, you know, when you get around someone that is a bona fide, true, born-again Christian, they are going to be different. Not necessarily different looking. There was a generation that said jewelry, uh, sleeves down to your wrist, uh, dress down to your ankles, hair in a bun so tight you had uh, burn marks, you had uh, stretch marks up your face because the bun was so tight. And then when you start to shout, you throw the bobby pins and you could hurt people in the altar. It was to a Pentecostal church. There was a generation that flowed in that. I really don't, I really don't think, for, but for the exception, I really don't think that's what a Christian looks like or a Christian acts like. I don't think it has a whole lot to do. I believe in godly dress. I believe in all of that. But I don't believe it has a whole lot to do with what you wear. I think there's something about a Christian that there are things that we don't laugh about. There are movies that we don't watch. There are places that we don't go. There are states we understand the value of blessing and curse, to be blessed and to be favorable. I think that when you are around a Christian, it doesn't take very long for you to realize there's something different about this person. There's something not necessarily, maybe some of the standards are different. This person is different. And I don't really think that God really likes to use people that thump Bibles and stand on corners and read passages from Ezekiel and Revelation. We're all going to die and go to hell with our, our back broke. I don't know. And I, I've seen it in San Francisco, different places where supposedly sin was uh, was more more prominent there than another place that someone would stand on a street, street corner. Never saw a single person get saved. Listen to somebody standing on a street, street corner telling them how they're going to go to hell and die and all of that. I think that people get saved by watching our life. I think they see something that when we go through storms, we go through persecution, we go through problems, our attitude remains healthy and whole, and we, and we look to the promises and the favor of God. At least that's the way that we should think of. And, and I, think, I remember the, the, the way that I was raised, the Redback hymnal, all those great songs, all those great memories, all those great services, being a child growing up in the church. Loved that. I played several different instruments in church. Usually I played something until someone would come and played, and I got bumped off the bass, I got bumped off the organ, I got bumped off the trumpet. The only thing up was the kazoo. I could play the kazoo better than anybody in that, and I maybe I played it, and it was a lot of fun. But as I as I grew up in church and loved loved the thing, I loved the music, I loved the things of God. There there were distractions that came when I was think, when I was thinking about when I was thinking about addiction, and I was thinking about perversion. Addiction and perversion is a spirit. There are several different acts of perversion, but only one spirit. There are several different acts of addiction, but only one spirit. And at a very young age, the enemy tries to deduce this nation by putting a hook in their jaw called nicotine. Nicotine is one of the first addictions in life, and you know, many of you can relate to one of the last addictions to go. It is a spirit. And as long as the enemy has that door open, he will continually try to bring things into our life 
that we can be addicted to. We looked a few weeks ago at Aquila and Priscilla. Paul said that they were addicted to the gospel. I mean, what, what an addiction to be addicted to the word of God, to sing it, to read it, to preach it, to teach it, to live it. But every single one of us here, we have a testimony. I got to a place in my life, and this is a scary place to get. I had got to a place in my life going through, going through all the junk I was going through. I got to a place where I could not get high. And regardless of what I put in my body, I could not get high. I have a lot of through the people say, man, I, I like your testimony. I want, I want to go out and get a testimony like yours, and I want to do all those things and then get saved and, and all those great times you had. And, you know, I think about it. I don't remember a whole lot of great times. I remember hugging a toilet all night. Hello. I remember parking my car and not being able to find it. When I found it, it had been impounded by the police because I left it in no parking zone because I was all spaced out on drugs. When I, when I reflect back over the days of yesterday, there really aren't a whole lot of good memories. When I think about the money wasted, the time wasted, the, 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 the things that, that we went through, and I've uh, I will not break into my testimony, but I remember one particular season in our life, we had our own softball team, and we were all beer drinkers. We had our own bar, our own softball team, and uh, we, weren't, we weren't that bad. We, weren't, we were game, beer drinking, a bunch of guys, and one night we went over to our cousin. We, we played, played a game, went over to my cousin's house, and we were, all, we were all drinking. We ran a beer, and I was the only one that was 21, and so I went to the store to get some beer. When I came back to the house, the police department, the paramedics uh, were all there, one of, one of our uh, second basemen, the guy that, guy that plays second base on our team, on a dare, signed the telephone pole. Only not to realize it wasn't a telephone pole, it was a power pole. And he had grabbed hold of thousands of thousands of volts. He was hanging by the, 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 the power of the electricity at him. He was hanging by his hand, and he was dead. And we came, we came home to that. We came back to that. And so when I look and see when the enemy tries to interject any kind of addiction in your life, his goal, are you ready? He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Man, he will steal everything healthy and whole. He'll destroy every relationship, every friendship. But let me tell you something. His ultimate goal is the death angel. That's, that's, his, that's his friend. He operates, and that's the way that he manipulates. And there are many in this room today not just once or twice, but several times found ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death. Yet for some reason, God spared us and God saved us because he knows that he has a friend in the building. So every one of us, every one of us were taken. I remember the particular week that, uh, that I had, I gave my heart to the Lord that Sunday night and all the junk, and we'll, we'll, we'll touch base with that a couple of weeks, but all the, all, the, all the addictions in my life, and I think there were 11, that Sunday night when I went to that altar and that little gray-haired grandmother prayed for me, every single addictive bone in my body was broken. I didn't go through backs. I didn't go through any nauseous. I didn't go through. It was a miracle. It was a divine miracle that when, when God saved me, he took away the taste of alcohol, took away the taste of, 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 of tobacco, took the, of hash, drugs, all that stuff, he took all that away, even to the point where now I actually hate cocaine. I hate cocaine. I hate mushrooms. I hate Budweiser. I just I, because I've seen not just my life and years it stole, but so many lives it steals and it robs, and it just it's a it's a hook in the jaw. But something happens when the Lord comes to where you're at, whether you're a place where you can't get high anymore, 
or whether you get a place where you're stoned out of your mind. When God comes to where you're at, he comes right down there in the miry clay, in the gutter, in the junk, in the funk, comes right down there where you're at, gets a hold of you, and lifts you out of that place and puts you on a rock. And it's a rock that's safe. It's a rock that's secure. It's a rock that the builder rejected, but it will always be used for the glory and purpose of God. It's the foundation of salvation. And David said that when the Lord found him in the miry clay and found him in the pit, the first thing he did was he brought him out, set him on a rock. Aren't you glad that you're on the rock, Christ Jesus? He set him on a rock and then established his going and put a new song in his mouth. How many can relate to the new song? All of a sudden you realize there's a whole other world out there that you never had experienced, and it's called Christian music. Wow. Christian. I mean, it's not Led Zeppelin. It's not Deep Purple. It's not, it's not Grand Funk Railroad. It's actually Christian music, and there's a whole repertoire. And there's radio stations the purpose of playing Christian music. And it's very dangerous driving down the road by yourself when the blood will never lose its power comes on because all of a sudden something on the inside of you begins to melt. And you're reminded of where he brought you from to where you are. And you're driving down the road. You get your hands lifted. And people pass you. They think you're stark raving nuts. But you know what? It's a song in the night that God gave us. And God t- tagged us into that. And what a what a blessing that is. So so it's like, it's like immediately, it's immediately your, your music appetite changes. Then all of a sudden, food actually has some taste. Wow. I mean, I can remember over and over again saying, this is the best strawberry I've ever eaten. This is the best Marie Callender's. I'm, I'm going to get you all hungry here in a minute. This is the best Marie Callender's soup. I've done you realize that food actually has some kind of significance and some kind of importance because when you're junked out on pills and junked out on drugs, food was not important. Am I, am, am I talking to anybody in the building? So all of a sudden, your, your music changes, your appetite changes, and then all of a sudden, people into your life that are crazy, but they're crazy like you. They love God. They love to sing. They love to dance. They love to, I remember, I remember when, when, I, when I first got saved, it was like I had to be in church every single night of the week. I had to, can it just, there was just something about going to Bible study, something about the music, something about the worship, something about the, the friendship. And so what he did was he took me out of that junk and set me on a rock and put a new song in my mouth. And that means we were taken from the hands of the enemy and placed in the arms of privilege and a blessing that is because immediately, immediately, as a new Christian or a young child learning how to serve God, it seems like the Bible is full of all kinds of incredible promises. I mean, people actually start to like you again. You actually get a job that you start doing well on, and then all of a sudden you start tithing. Well, you've never done that before, but you know what? Robbie, I can tell you, I can tell you week after week after week after week. I remember I was a carpenter, worked all day in the hot sun, worked Monday through Friday, got my paycheck. We took off early and cases of course, and then that night found the connection and he just scored the, the Maui Wowie. I know none of you can relate to that. And and the the, the sense of man and that. But Angel, I can remember week after week after week being broke Saturday morning because I spent all my money uh, Friday night on drugs. It, do I have a friend in the house? Anybody relate to that? But now all of a sudden, I've got money left over. I'm not spending all that money on drugs and alcohol and tobacco. So I, I got I got a little money in my pocket and things begin to change. Can I tell you, things begin to change. You get a little money in your pocket, and you're doing the right thing. You're involved in the right, the right reasons for serving, serving the Lord. So then all of a sudden, everything I touch 
it was blessed. I went back to work, got some jobs, made some money. God threw me into ministry, started traveling around. And so what happens is God will take you from where you're at, and he will place you in the shadow of the Almighty, and then he will bless you. And when you begin to read all the blessings, uh, someone said there's 365. I don't know about that. They said there's a blessing for every single day of the year. I don't, I don't know about all that. But the word of God is full of blessing and honor and favor and things that you can have and stuff that you can really do. You really can. You can walk in faith. You can walk in the, in the you know, just, just praying for people that are sick, praying for people that are on drugs, praying for people that want to get saved. God starts bringing, and you don't have to go looking for them. He starts bringing them to you. You're sitting on the, the bench there getting your car washed. You're in Walmart in line getting some vitamins. It seems like God strategically door opens, and then you just share what. You don't have to know the Bible. You don't have to quote the Bible. You just tell people what God did to you, and your testimony becomes a light in a dark place. And here's their attitude. Well, if God can do it for you, then he can do it for me. And then God takes them out of that darkness and bonding and places them in an area of blessing. But then all of a sudden, bam. Takes us, he blesses us, and then he breaks us. And nobody wants to be broken. Broken is not a bad thing if God is in control. When we talk about we talk about stirring the nest, I want to go ahead and go to um, Exodus 19 and 4. Do we have that? In Scripture... The writers of the Bible refer to the eagle 25 different times. And almost without exception, the times that they're identified, it's in a parental or a leadership type setting. In Exodus 19 and 4, we get this image in our mind of Israel out of Egypt. He makes this statement. He said, I bear you out on eagle's wings. So there we get this we get this concept of God being the Papa Eagle. And then we see all these two when we begin to pursue what the Word of God says to pursue. Isaiah 40 and 31, if you ask me to sign your Bible, or you ask me to sign your 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 um, your yeah, the, the brace there. That that your or or I, I'm gonna write Isaiah 40 and 31 because it's my second favorite scripture. In the Bible, what's my favorite? Anybody know? For God so loved the world, yes. But, but the second is, but they that wait upon the Lord, four things happen. They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I, I love, I love this, this passage, this fourfold passage that says, if we wait upon the Lord, Four things are going to happen to us. The verse before comments on youth literally burning out, losing their strength, being faint. But the word of God says, if you are attached to me and you wait with me, these things are going to happen. And the first thing that happens is that our strength is renewed. Did not enjoy track. I ran varsity track two years of my life at a full ride UCLA I did not want to spend three hours every day on the freeway going from Bellflower to L.A. It was the, tra the traffic in L.A. was a joke. That's not what I wanted to do. So I went to law school instead. But I remember in track, there was something about what you would call the second wind. 
I don't know how many we have here that can relate to your your run and your 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 getting it four times around the track. There's a mile, and somewhere between the second and third uh, lap, I mean, you're 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 wheezing, you're 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 all burnt out. You feel like all your energy is gone. You've given your best shot, but all of a sudden something happens, and you get what's called the second wind, and all of a sudden that second wind gives you that burst of energy to finish the race well, whether you win or not to finish the race well. And that's what the word of God says when you, when you, and we're going to talk about wait upon the Lord. When you wait upon the Lord, the very first thing that happens is that God renews your strength. Let me tell you, when, when, when you, as you begin to decay with age, <laughs> there are things that your body stops producing. And so it becomes important to start feeding your brain with brain food whether it's melatonin or serotonin or whatever, endorphin, whatever energy drink, Red Bull, uh, Monster, whatever, whatever you're doing yourself, there will be seasons in your life where physically you'll get so weary, you feel like you just, man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just burning. I'm just, has anybody ever been that where they went to the Lord and said, Lord, I am just really, either I'm not sleeping right, I'm burned out, I don't have any energy, don't have any, and all this like plugs us into 220 and we get zapped and we go, Man, I you know what? I feel great. I could go another four hours. I could. Do I have a wit? Do I have a? That's a that's a physical blessing that comes with acknowledging who God is in your life. And then it talks about running this race. They say run and not be weary. I, I, Josh, I cannot tell you how many times I've watched people compete, and if they were losing, they would fake an injury. Help me, start limping. Or they, or, or they, or they, they would trip at the, they would trip, you know, at the, at the finish line, and they, is anybody? And so, but the Bible says we are to run this race with patience. And what the Word of God says, when, when you give at the right place with God, we're waiting upon Him. Something, something returns. It's called tenacity, and all desire to finish the path that you started. That song says, many years I have been traveling through this world. I'm too close. Look at somebody say, I'm too close to turn back now. I've almost made it in. Say that. See my Savior's face will be worth this wretched race. I'm too close to heaven to turn around. He gives you that tenacity to make it to the finish line, to finish. And then it talks about walking. The Bible tells us we're not to walk. The ungodly, the scorn of the heathen, but there in our life where it's better to walk and not run. And he gives us that ability to walk, to run. And let me tell you what the word wait does not mean. If if you went to a restaurant today, a waiter or a waitress is going to come to your table. And they're going to take your order and they're going to do their best to serve you. They're going to notice if you're low on water. They're going to notice if you need another iced tea. And they're they're going to be right there and they... And you know if they if they if they do a good job and it's above and beyond, then you give them a tip. You give them a whatever that amount that you give them, and uh, they waited upon you. You know that's a great definition. That if we could wait on the Lord like that, just bless Him and everything, serve Him. That be a, that be a, that be a great way to serve Him. Then there is the wait. And uh, if you were to say, hey, tomorrow I want to take you to uh, my number one honey hole. There's bass in there. Nobody fish it. We're going to get there. We're going to fish. I'll pick you up at 6. I'd be ready at 5. And if you went there at 6, I'd wait till 7. For the 7, I'd wait till 8. Probably at 8, I'd go back to bed. So I would give a couple hours to, to get involved in what, in what you want to do. And that's also great, too. 
if we wait upon the move of God, the things of God in the altar, certainly God would bless us. But that word does not mean either one of those words. The word wait in this, in this passage of Scripture in the Hebrew is kwaval. And the word kwaval is used in the art or the purpose of interweaving three things together. It's like, it's like would it be a braid? Like somebody would braid, braid your hair. And here the word says, if you, were, if you will interwine your life with the things of God, if you'll like what God likes, if you'll hate what God hates, if you'll stand for God, if you'll be what God wants you to do and do what God, you, you find yourself where two can't walk unless they walk in agreement. One falls down and then picks him up. One gets cold and then keeps him warm. One comes under attack, the other one defends him. And a three-fold cord is not easily broken. This would have been a great scripture to use Wednesday night on accountability is that you have someone in your life that you walk with. You have someone in your, your life that you take care of. You have someone in your life that you defend. And the two of you, by walking agreement, brings the third person, the Holy Spirit, to your life, and you're walking in the fullness and the blessings of God. Did I help anybody just then? See, there, I, want, I want people around me that would say, hey, let's get up at 7 o'clock and let's go to the church and pray. <laughs> just a thought. Just a thought. I want someone to say, hey, you're not going to believe what's happened over here on Thursday night. They got a special thing. I'll come by and get you. I want somebody to call and say, hey, you're not going to believe this, but I found your promise in the Bible. Let me read it to you. And they're so, they're so jazzed, and you're so jazzed. You're both so excited. You don't know what to do. So you go flock somebody's yard or something. I don't know. That's the kind, Am I helping anybody? That's the kind of people I want in my life. I, I want to go, you know, I want to go where I'm celebrated, not tolerated. I want to go where when I go, something something is changing. Some what that song, something's changing, something's moving. That should be what happens in a Christian's life. And there'll be times, there'll be times when there's a slump. There'll be times when you feel cold. There'll be times when you feel forgotten. There are times you're going to feel threatened or or feel embarrassed or feel like someone's forming a, po- a party against you. Just realize those are all things that God felt. Those are all things that Jesus felt. He knew all about that. That's the broken part of ministry. But when you, watch this, when you've been, how many can relate with me today? Not only have you been to hell, but you're back. Where's my hell and back people? I've been to hell, and I'm back. And that's the testimony. That's where God uses you to, again, to strategically place yourself in someone's life. They need exactly what you've got, and you've got it, and sometimes you don't even realize it you don't even realize it god will open up i don't want to talk a whole, a whole lot about compassion or feeling but god will open up god will open up doors i'll be very careful be very careful how i say this how i word this but a, a person has come into my life that used to attend our church uh quite a while ago and i remember i remember quite a while ago what happened she was uh she's much older now but she was 15 and a half and uh, she was taking driving lessons, and she was driving her mom. And they were either on Frontage Road or Spring, Spring Place Road, and a deer ran out in front of her, and and uh, whacked the deer, killed her mom. When God brings people like that into your life, you don't have the human ability to help them. Or, or I mean, that's when you devise sovereignly for God to fill your mouth with words of encouragement. And words of blessing. 
How many can relate? I'm going to go to one more passage of scripture this morning. Or this, you know what? It's five minutes after twelve. I'm pretty hungry. Why don't we just conclude right here? Can we do that? Just as many as your head is bowed, your eyes are closed. Someone came here today to give their heart to the Lord. I was introduced to her, and she does not want to be embarrassed, so we will not embarrass her. But we're going to pray in just a moment, the sinner's prayer. And we're going to ask the Lord to come into our heart. And he's going to. And we're going to ask the Lord to be the Lord of our life, and he will. And we're going to ask the Lord to bring joy and happiness, and he, and he does. You're never too young. If you understand pastor's words, you're never too young to give your heart to God. You're never too old to give your heart to God. God does not hate you. God loves you. God cares about you. So can we pray together? Dear Jesus, I acknowledge there are mistakes in my life, and I am not perfect. Sin has tried to hurt me, but today I ask you to forgive me my sins, to wash my heart, to wash my life, and make me brand new. I will make room for you in my heart. Come in. Teach me what to say. Teach me what to sing. Teach me what to learn. I want to serve you the rest of my life. Amen. How cool.